Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Nomi Podcast, where we journey through the realms of self-awareness and self-discovery. I'm your host and Nomi coach, Madeline. And I'm Cynthia, the Nomi licensed mental health counselor. We hope you've got your introspective hats on because today's episode is powerful. Today, we dive into the importance of truly knowing and understanding yourself, especially before life throws those major curveballs. We often underestimate how our inner knowledge can serve as our anchor during tumultuous times. The best the better you know yourself, the more equipped you are to recognize when something's off and advocate for your well-being, which is a perfect segue to our special guest today someone very dear to both our hearts. Yes, it's a family affair. We're so thrilled to have my lovely sister and Cynthia's incredible daughter, Katie, join us. Katie has been on a personal journey of mental wellness, and she's here to bravely share her recent experiences with postpartum depression. Her story is not just inspiring, but it's also a testament to the importance of knowing one's baselines. Every experience, every story has a lesson, and we are honored that Katie has chosen to share her journey with all of us today. It's going to be heartfelt, and deeply insightful. So whether you're going through a transition, preparing for a big change, or just keen on understanding yourself a bit more, today's episode is for you. Grab your favorite beverage, find a cozy spot, and let's dive in. So welcome back, everyone. We are so excited to have our next guest. It is my lovely sister, Katie, Katie Maskell. And before we introduce her, we have to get to the most important thing, which is, of course, how is my nephew? Yes. <laughs> how is Mason Maskell? Mason is doing very well, and I'm giggling because he's just great. He's awesome. He's enjoying his very first day of, I call it school. It's a small in-home daycare, but I'm very excited. He's just his wonderful, happy, very busy self. Oh, of course. Busy. And so this makes me chuckle. It's wonderful to hear. And Mason is a joy for sure. It brings me back to when I would have conversations with people after I had you, Katie, and they never asked about me. Never. How I was doing, right? I was like, oh, I feel like a bit of a non-entity. Yeah. And that can be problematic at times, can it? It can. Yes, absolutely. I feel like people don't even say hello to me either anymore. You're no longer a person anymore. You're just the person that brings the cute kid to wherever you, wherever they, wherever you're going. Yeah. And we chuckle about right, all yeah. of this, but it is really problematic in many ways because I think one of the most common ways that roles, as we've talked about before on this podcast, swallow the person is in parenthood, right? This idea of mm. now that you're a parent, you no longer exist as a person. And it can be not only really easy to get lost in that narrative and lose your sense of self, but also lose your sense of whether or not you're okay, because then it becomes, I'm okay if Mason's okay, or I'm not okay if Mason's right. not okay. And so it's this intermeshed, intertangled chaos that makes it really hard to own your sense of self, which has been a big thing I've watched you go through. So how has your experience been as a new mother in maintaining your sense of self? If you want me to answer that honestly, which I wholeheartedly think you do, I'm still discovering who I am as Katie 
but now I'm a mom. Mm. And because especially when I made the decision to leave my full-time job when I had my son, anybody who knows me will tell you that I had no intention of going back to work at the Apple store after I had Mason. And I decided to stay home. And I think because I gave up, like you think of your career as it's a part of you. It's you spend most of your time at your job. And you have your work friends and you have your work life. And then when you don't have that anymore and your work and your home life and your kid is your whole entire world on top of being a new mom and navigating that, I'm still figuring it out. And that's why I wanted to have Mason go to school once a week because I wanted a day. I wanted seven hours just to be able to spend some more time rediscovering myself and making time for those things that are important. Like I'm still the same person I was before I had Mason. I did a lot of work on myself before I had Mason, but I haven't discovered Katie. I can't even say 2.0 because I think we're way past that at that point. (laughs) 3.0, (laughs) 4.0. Mama version of Katie is still in the works. I know that Getting to know myself or being aware of myself, first of all, it's been a lifelong journey. But I didn't, I didn't start this journey until well into my role as a mom. And I wonder if you started your journey earlier. I did. So I've actually struggled with mental health for as long as I can remember. And I know that sounds very dramatic, but. I do remember being a kid and being anxious and because my parents were both wonderful and loving and even though there was a really big stigma around needing help and needing extra resources, I remember being forced to go to therapy. And I mean, I think when you're a teenager, pretty much anything that you are made to do uh, is you're being forced to do something. And I remember just sitting there and not saying anything and making the process as difficult as possible. Because of course, when you're a teenager and your parents are going to make you do something, uh, there's no way you'll be doing any of that. And yes, you will be making it as difficult as possible. Did I benefit from that at all? No, because I didn't want to be there. And then in 2016, I met because I wanted to go and it was on my terms. I met my wonderful therapist and I've been working with her ever since. And I really worked with her to just say, I feel like this, why? And we spent a lot of time figuring that out. And then about a year later, my husband proposed to me, got engaged. We were, you guys were all there. (laughs) You both were there. We were engaged for about six months, and on my 27th birthday, we took a picture together. And I looked at that picture, and I just didn't like what I see, and it made me feel really bad about myself. And I had done a year of kind of work on my inner self and my inner person and starting to like myself, not what I saw, not looks, but like myself as a person, and I started to feel better and not feel like this worthless nobody I've spent my entire life feeling like. But 
it took a lot of purposeful work. And I remember saying to my husband, before we have kids, I want to be in the best shape of my life, both mentally and physically. And I was able to accomplish that, which was great. Mm -hmm. And now here I am a mom. And so I'm like, oh, I don't have anything outside of my son. And it's just now that I'm starting to figure out who I am and doing all this work. You've touched on two things I want to bring out here, which is one, establishing a series of baselines throughout our lives. Mom, you and I talk about this all the time that often people don't go toward mental health support or support in general until you're in crisis, right? There's something happening to you and there's yeah. you're in the reaction, you're in response. It's not very proactive. And so one of the things about exploring wellness, and I love that you also included your physical health journey. So in exploring all these different types of wellness from all different parts of who we are at different points in our lives can help us to establish baselines and help us tackle challenges when we're ready for them and build on those things and take two steps backwards and three steps forwards. But we can't do that if we're only ever responding in crisis because then we're only ever getting this piece of us mm -hmm. when we're reacting to our lives rather than also trying to explore when things are calmer <laughs> and when our environments are a bit kinder to us, mm -hmm. who we are and, and what we want. And so I love that you've brought that out because being a mom is not something I can relate to, but I can relate to when massive change happens and it shifts the way you think about yeah. yourself. The simplest example I can think of is like when I became an employee for the first time and I was like a person who had a job and was paying rent. And I know these are, are different degrees of change, right? Different degrees of responsibility. But these environmental shifts that yeah. we go through life and we try and quote unquote adults and all of this, if we don't have a solid sense of who we are underneath all of that, it's very easy to get lost in it. And so one of the things I even see with my clients is that they get lost inside their jobs and they can't pick apart their values and what's important to them and what's going on outside of work, right? So their work's values are their values. And I became one of these people as well because I was I was unclear on what I actually wanted. And so I liked being a part of something. And that meant that I was going to be a part of whatever was important to my office. And I love also how you included all these different points of your story, because it's so important for us to keep that solid foundational understanding of who we are so that when things change and when experiences come in and when we have kids or when we lose jobs or gain jobs or move house or marry someone or get a dog, <laughs> that these right. things can evolve with us rather than evolving us with them, if that makes sense, against our yeah. will. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the other thing about baselines is, from my experience, we're really taught about certain aspects of different baselines. So we're talk, taught about our physical baselines. And we're taught about you should experience this at this age and this at this age and, and our physical baselines. And we get a physical once a year, don't we? And then there's lots of baselines about how we should be in the outside world, right? Like by this age, you should be maybe getting a job. At this age, you should have so much money in the bank. At this age, you should have so much education and all of that. But I don't remember anyone ever telling me what the baselines were for my emotional well-being, for my spiritual well-being, which is part of who I am as a human being. 
And so I think this is where it's so important, like you were talking about, is not waiting to bump into those crises, but to just be aware as you're moving along of these kinds of things are important to me. These kinds of things are my baseline of what, of how I want to feel or how I want to approach this emotion or how I want to have a value or a state of, like we like to call it, a state of being as opposed to a state of doing. Mm. And that gets really difficult through these big transitions, doesn't it? When you got a rhythm going with the doing and all of a sudden there's, like you were saying, Madeline, a new job, right? And a new set of responsibilities or when you're a new mom, not only is your physical body going through changes, which they tell you about all along the way, what to expect when you're expecting and then whatever. Yeah, but they leave out all of the stuff that you really want a heads up about. None of that's anywhere. And exactly. then you're texting your mom friends like, what in the world is going on with my body right now? Is this normal? And they all say, oh, yes, sorry. It's not in any of the books. Correct. <laughs> if I knew that, I don't know if I would have signed up for that, but thank you so much. Right. They don't. There's a lot of big transitions like we were mentioning, like Madeline, you were mentioning, how about moving to a different country? How you're supposed to feel about that or getting married? How you're supposed to feel about that? There's a lot of unspoken kind of expectations. Mm-hmm about how we're supposed to feel about things, aren't there? Yeah. And so how have you both coped with these unspoken expectations? How did you learn to recognize them? How did you learn to do something about it if it didn't align with what you wanted? I'll just, I'll answer it in form of like, my anxiety is I was anxious all the time. Couldn't sleep and it controlled my life and it dictated everything that... I did and assuming the worst case scenario. And I said to my therapist, I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. And she said, okay, what else has been going on? We uncovered over time that sleep, when I don't get enough sleep, it triggers my anxiety. So that being a big trigger. And the other thing, which I didn't realize until she pointed it out, she said, when your routine changes, it throws you for a loop and it wigs you out. I didn't ever notice that. And now I, when I'm starting to feel like really anxious and really overwhelmed or really sad, I sit back and I say, okay, did you get enough sleep? Oh, you did. Okay. So it's not that. What else could it be? Let's look at routine. Ah, my husband's work schedule just changed. And knowing that, knowing about myself that when my routine or just timing my timeline changes, I get anxious. And knowing that and spending the time beforehand and understanding those triggers and having somebody that you trust and that can say, okay, let's look back on the last time you were feeling this way. Are there similarities and help you uncover what those triggers might be? But just spending the time to really figure out what is it that throws you for a loop? And then what resources do I have? What resources did I spend time putting in my tool belt? 
and which ones can I use right now to make myself feel better? One tool I'm just going to pick out of all of that, which is the simplest thing ever, is you said the word spending time like six times, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the reality. Sometimes we're right. moving so <laughs> fast in life that we, mm-hmm. you're right, we don't take time. We And all of this stuff it requires an investment of time to slow down, to actually ask ourselves what's going on, even if it doesn't make us feel any less anxious to put the label on it to invest the time in discovering and understanding ourselves, whether that's through therapy or conversations with friends or journaling or whatever tools that you want to use for self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? It's not just therapy that can get you there. For some people, it's the most helpful tool, but yeah. it's investing that time. And of course, sometimes investing other resources as well, but we just don't slow down yeah. enough to actually understand what's going on. And so then what I find ends up happening, at least for me, when I'm, especially when I'm not slowing down, is I just assume that whatever is happening to me, I'm the odd one out, that it's what's wrong with Mm -hmm. me. So something is inherently wrong with me as a human. And therefore, that's why all of this stuff is happening inside of my internal world. One, because we never have enough conversations with each other about what's going on with this. We barely have enough conversations, as you were saying earlier, about the basics of pregnancy. And it's something that's been going on for forever. But then we also don't have conversations around I'm I find myself reacting this way. Is that quote unquote normal or is that atypical? We make it an individual problem when sometimes it's not us. This is the other thing. As you talk about anxiety, we live in an incredibly anxiety inducing world. If you're not anxious, you're not paying attention. Seriously. Yeah. Touching upon this whole understanding or being aware of our reactions to things can really help us understand, like Katie was saying, the why. And once we have that, then we can back the bus up and say, hey, do I really want to react that way? The other thing I wanted to also lean into is this thing about resources. And what Madeline said is we don't talk about it. And we don't talk about it because shame. I'm a bad whatever. We're talking about motherhood a little bit. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad friend because I'm feeling this way or I'm a bad daughter or whatever. Insert the role. We can be a really good resource for ourselves if we can be our own best friends as well as finding other people to be in community with that want to support us. When you guys were growing up, a lot of my friends would would say, oh my gosh, Cynthia, you're like open about everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I was like, that's because I'm a true believer that it takes a village. I want it to take a village. I'm only one perspective. I want my beautiful girls to experience a whole bunch of other perspectives and have all, other resource other than me because I don't want to be their only tool in their toolbox. And also when you say your own best friend, the other thing that comes up, especially when it comes to resources, is being your own best advocate. This is something I think we never do enough. We wait for other people or other systems or whatever to advocate for us and then get frustrated and, and disheartened and hopeless when things don't show up that we really wish would. And it's important for us to see ourselves as our own best advocate in a way that you would fight to the death for a friend or a child or whatever like turning that advocacy that we so easily give to others to ourselves. And so a big part of it is one, knowing what to advocate for. So feeling that we deserve to be happy, that we deserve to have resources, that we don't need to earn any of that. That's something that we just 
get to have access to because we exist in the world. And also knowing how to advocate for yourself, which I think can be really hard. I mean, Katie, I'm going to call you out because I, I know the inside scoop, which is around your experience postpartum and how challenging it was to advocate for yourself. After you have a baby, you are required to have a six-week postpartum appointment. Recently, they added in a questionnaire to screen for postpartum mood disorders like depression, anxiety, which is actually really common. It's so much more common than you think to have just your hormones go absolutely crazy after you have a baby. And I was at my six-week appointment and I was told at the hospital, the first two weeks you're going to have the what's called the baby blues. And it's essentially because you have a giant crash in hormones. And I actually had a couple of girlfriends who told me beforehand, they said, the first two weeks of your son's life, you are going to feel like a wackadoodle. Like you are going to go from being super happy to super sad to angry to this. And like after two weeks, it's just the hormones. You should feel better. Six weeks rolls around and I'm filling out this questionnaire and I indicated that something wasn't right. I was really angry and I was really sad all the time. And I felt like a really bad mom. And of course I'm saying, I said, I know it's because I'm tired. And I know it's because my routine changed because I, I know those about me, but it, it's something else isn't right. Something's not happening. And the nurse looked at me and she said, it sounds like you might have some kind of outside stressors. That's probably it. Maybe once those go away, you'll feel a lot better. So I said, okay, my doctor told me I was fine. She said that feeling this angry and feeling this sad is just because of outside stressors. I wish I could say a short amount of time went by, but I I thought I was fine. I was told I was fine. I was told it was going to pass and another few months go by. And I'm still like just feeling awful. And I reached out to my team, my prescriber and my therapist and I advocated for myself and I said, I'm feeling like Mason would be better off without me. I'm feeling horrible. Is this normal? And without even me finishing the sentence, she said, you have postpartum depression. And I ended up getting on another medication and having that added into my tool belt has helped me just function. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being able to speak up for myself and say, this isn't fine. I'm not fine. And I need help probably saved my life. Not to be dramatic, but probably saved my life. Yeah. It's not dramatic at all. It's very yeah. real. And it really is sometimes a vicious cycle because yeah. when we are not feeling our best selves or our baseline selves, it really is hard to advocate. And so understandable that you come from a trusted resource that said you were fine to go you know what, I'm really going to trust myself more. And even though every bone in my body is sort of going, I don't even want to do this, I'm going to keep pushing. And so that's what also is, I remember you sharing with me during that time, and I might have suggested that you just keep reaching out that there was going to be some different answers. It's good to have some different opinions. That was that person's opinion, but 
you know what, I am going to trust myself and I'm going to see if someone else can maybe have a different view of this and some different tools that I could use, right? It's not isolating, which is what depression and anxiety to a certain and all of the mood disorders one of the things they like us to do is they like us to isolate. So it's really important to let the people around us that love us know what our norms are so that we, so that when they see us isolating or they see us crying all the time or they see us whatever, they're like, oh, you know what? That doesn't seem like you, Cynthia. That just seems a little out of the ordinary. I heard this TikTok video. Oh, we always mention a TikTok video. It's just, such, it's it know, so great. I do. This woman was talking about late stage diagnoses. And this is something that comes up a lot in with my clients. Like they, a lot of them have received late stage diagnoses and it's really impactful for them. And she was trying to explain why for her, a late stage diagnosis is something that has transformed the way she engages with herself. So she was talking about, imagine Mm. you drove a broken down car your whole life. Ever since you could start driving, you were driving down this broken down car and you got really good at fixing that broken down car. You had the best toolbox in the world. You knew the ins and outs of that car. And so you're going around being like, oof, yeah, everything is really tough. And she was talking about the example of being late to work. So you're late to work and you say, sorry, I had car trouble. And your boss goes, everybody has car trouble, but they can still make it to work on time. And you're like, how? Oh my God, I don't understand how all these people with these broken down cars just like me are making it to work on time. And then you find out that everyone else has been driving self-driving Teslas. And you're with this broken down car. (laughs) And so when everyone else has car troubles, it's not to the same degree that you're having car troubles, right? But you're being told that your reality, that your experience in life is just something you should put up with because everyone has car troubles. But you're completely distorting the degree to which we're talking about car troubles here. And so it was this idea of accessing these resources, one of which for her was getting a diagnosis opened her eyes to the reality of how, one, how incredible she was for being able to fix that dang broken car all the time. And also that she doesn't need to be in a Tesla, but it would be helpful if some resources could help her get in one grade up. Toyota Camry. <laughs> really, just get it, get her in a Honda, get her in a Toyota. Tell <laughs> a reliable car, will you? And it's true. But in what you're both saying, the reason this story came to mind was we tend to, again, individualize the problem and make it our own fault instead of having mm. these conversations, instead of sharing with our communities, instead of turning to a friend and saying, hey, can I just tell you about something that's going on for me? And can you just tell me? your perspective, not your advice, but even just your perspective. And you mm-hmm. start to realize, yeah. oh, okay, so maybe I, sh- I, I, like a therapist would be really helpful to me, or maybe a, a, a certain medication is the best way to go, or maybe I'm not getting enough sleep. And so one of the wonderful things I loved about your story, Katie, was how often you talked about these communities of moms that were like, hey, these are yeah. our experiences. And even having your own mom say, this was my experience. And I'm not going to give you unsolicited advice here, but I'm just going to say in my experience, you, you might want to look at some some more resources for yourself and yeah. help to advocate with you. Whatever our village looks like, we pull in our village because sometimes just talking about it helps us, quote unquote, I hate the word normalize, but baseline it for ourselves, right? Just to say, okay, 
I feel okay with this baseline, mm. right? This baseline yeah. sounds within the range of this other person's baseline. And, and so therefore, I'm just going to get outside and meet someone for a cup of coffee in the backyard or have more play dates or, or things that maybe no, don't need a ratchet up eyes and ears on the, on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. And it totally wasn't planned. But this concept of (laughs) finding new touch points with different forms of the wellness world and figuring out what works for us and finding those resources and collecting those resources is part of our mission with Nomi. So that's why we introduced the Nomi Fundamentals, because in the first four weeks, it's an exploration with me and mom. So you get a Cynthia, rather, you get a therapist and a coach's perspective on kind of what we consider to be the fundamentals of self-discovery. And then after that included in the price, you get to pick two plus, depending on what you want to do, workshops with a wealth of practitioners. So we have spiritual guides and other coaches and therapists and Uh, Reiki masters, because we want people to feel like they can build a village for themselves, that they can build an advocacy team and a resource team around themselves. Because the reality is that I know some amazing coaches and therapists out there. And I know that for most people, it's not enough. We need friends and we need partners and we need pets and we need children and we need therapists and we need coaches and we need Reiki masters and massage therapists and gym memberships. And it's not going to look the same for every person. And I love that you phrase it like that because that's a genuine plug for why the fundamentals is the, is designed the way it is because we believe in the individual being able to build a team around themselves. And I want to add one more possible support system to that list. So Katie, can you tell us about the initiative that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. I am very passionate about this organization for a number of reasons in Hingham, Massachusetts on October. October 8th, we are going to be holding a free community event to fundraise and spread awareness for Postpartum Support International, or PSI. You actually might be familiar with Postpartum Support International. I'm sure uh, if you've had kids, you've seen their logo in your OBGYN office. They are a nonprofit organization whose mission is to help provide resources to not only providers, but also those affected by prenatal and postnatal mood disorders, things like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And we're hosting a a local walk in October. We truly wanted to create a space where you can come and maybe you're a mom and you just moved here. Maybe you're or a, a new family member and you just moved here and you don't know anybody. We want to create a space where you can find your village or that you look around and, oh, they have a baby that's the same age as me. I bet she's up at three o'clock in the morning too. And just let people know about other resources that are in the community. There are so many free things in our community here at the South Shore that I've discovered recently just through this spreading the word and joining local Facebook and Instagram groups. But we don't want any new parent or caregiver to ever feel alone and feel like they don't have a village or feel like they're alone in this chapter of their life. And even our hope is that you come and even if you walk away with one person's phone number or a date to meet up at a local playground or just for two hours, you feel a sense of belonging and inclusion. That's our goal. It's going to be a great day. And I'm really excited and honored that I get to be 
a part of this because it's a really big deal and it's meaningful to me. If you're in the area, Hingham Cronin Field, and you can find us at Climb Out South Shore on Instagram for more. I love it. Starting the conversation, right? It's like we do here on the Nomi podcast. Yes, exactly this. So we'll put the links as well in the show notes. So if you are listening to this while you're on a drive or on a walk, you can check that later and follow them on Instagram. And also there's a Facebook group if you want to join to stay involved. And if you can't make it, of course, donations are always appreciated. There are plenty of people who have their own pages that you can support. So if you find the conversation meaningful and you just want to throw a cup of coffee's worth of donation their way, it's really impactful to help them do more amazing things like this. Yeah. And even if you can't donate financially, sharing and helping spread awareness is is priceless. And if you're not from the South Shore area, we'll definitely be sure to include where you can find or start a walk near you if you feel a calling like I did. This has been such a wonderful conversation. We're so grateful to you, Katie, for really authentically and vulnerably sharing your story and helping understand that when things are hard, sometimes we just need to be our best friend, our best advocates and build and join these communities around us to help us realize our potential as humans. So really appreciate your perspective here. And mom, it's time for you to end us with a quote. Yes, I do have a quote by Margaret J. Wheatley. There is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. It's a good one. That's a good one. So thank you all for sticking with us. We hope that this episode was impactful for you. Check the show notes for any links that we discussed. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.